Ahí va Bota. Pelota para Eric Gutiérrez. Cae solo. El gol. Bota, gol. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Colourful Kit Podcast Extra. Myself, Tom Harrison. And I'm delighted to say I'm once again joined today by Karina Torres. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you, Tom? Very well. Um, we I understand we are loaded with questions to get through today. We are. Uh, we asked a couple of you guys to send us your question to do this short Q&A, and we got a lot of questions. So the question is, Tom, are you ready to respond? Just about. <laughs> okay, so... Let's go ahead and start with their Q&A, and let's see what answers uh, Tom has for us. So, are you ready, Tom? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so first question goes to at Martinez Dave 1491 How long do you think Cardoso will last at Chivas? Oh, hopefully not very long. <laughs> <laughs> not only would it be a correct prediction, but... Uh... It would be really pleasing from a personal level. No, I mean, the way things are going, not not very long, um, to be honest. Obviously, it's been a horrible start to the season for Chivas. One point for four games is pretty awful. You know, we're still only four games in. There's a long way to go, and, and things can change very, very quickly in Mexican football. We all know that. But mm-hmm. it could be pretty short... Um, if if he can't turn things around soon, then he's going to come under a huge amount of pressure. But then it comes back to the question of, you know, who else is there? How much money do they have? I mean, did they only hire him in the first place because they couldn't really afford anyone better? What do you reckon? Would you would you give a would you give a prediction of how many weeks it's going to be? I think it's funny that we're talking about Cardoso early on the season because I think we mentioned in their other podcast about Cardoso not lasting. So I feel like the crisis is early in Chivas. And I think I said maybe, I don't remember exact number, but I don't think he's going to last throughout the whole season. I mean, like you said, like, is it the money? Is If they make a change, like, who else will be willing to pick up a broken Chivas at this point? And, you know, the lack of money, I mean, we saw it in the press conference uh, versus, you know, all the marketing from, you know, it looked like a little mini store that kind of also was out. It's pretty funny watching all the memes, but I don't think he'll last long. I really don't. I'm slightly disappointed he didn't at one point go, yeah, I'm going to answer your question, but first, um, can someone <laughs> get me a bowl for this granola? <laughs> I just thought it was really funny. It was like a mini mart at at um, a, a press conference and I think um, the real question everybody was criticizing the press conference and the money situation but I think what we have to focus on is like how is Chivas really playing besides all that you know because I think it all comes down to they have to play with they ha- with, with the players that they have right now and disputing in two tournaments later on I mean it's going to get to the best of them you know well that's a obviously a massive question for the powers that be there is he going to take them into the Club World Cup? It's, yeah, it's, I doubt it. That's, I mean, I, that's really going against him right now. Because otherwise I wouldn't be surprised if they were just kind of like, eh, you can stay because there isn't much else out there. We haven't got the money to bring in a notable name or anything. But the fact that they've got the Club World Cup coming up, they've, they've got to make some sort of an impression there. They definitely have to make a change, but... 
You know what? The Chivas story will continue this season. <laughs> okay, let's move on to next question. Um, Twitter fan at T underscore, underscore, sorry, Cornish. Thoughts on Uyola playing in Liga MX? Sorry, hey? Uh, Uyola. Uyola. <laughs> Uyola. Leonardo Uyola. Like you would like me to pronounce it. Leonardo Uyola. <laughs> There you go. For all you though, all those people out there that know how to pronounce it, Tom is the perfect person to help you guys out in that department. Okay, yeah. tell me about him. What do you think about him and playing in Liga Mekis? Clearly, I have to teach a Spanish speaker how to pronounce Spanish. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll let you off because he's Argentine. Uh, I think um, obviously you're you're a Leon caddy, uh, Leon fan, so you'll know that Argentine target man with two L's in the middle of their surname are pretty good, right? Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah I mean, he's he's struggled in the last few years, but uh, for a while he made a big impression over in England. He did very, very well in the championship. Uh, he's someone who, who got quite a good reputation within English football. Uh, so he certainly did better than, than Mara Baselli did in England. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, so you know um, that bodes well for him. I think he's he's definitely a quality addition to Liga Mekis, p- particularly when we see how many strikers have left the league this year. How many how many of the top scorers from last year have departed? Uh, like of Fernando Uribe, Rui Diaz. Uh, now Ana Valencia is going to go as well, apparently. So uh, it's good to see a, a big name coming in and Pachuca struggling at, at the foot of the table right now. They could really do. Uh, with a striker, you know, I, I like Frank Ojeda. I do. I think he's a good player, but mm-hmm. I think their 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 problems go beyond that. But p- yeah. bringing in a striker who is going to have the ability to get on the end of crosses, um, out muscle some some defenders and and score some headers, I think that's going to be. It's kind of a simple a simple answer to to their problems, which I think will work pretty well. Uh, whether or not it'll be enough to power them up the table into Ligue I'm, I'm I'm not convinced, but I think he'll do pretty well. Yeah, because, you know, like you said, it, the, I think the problem with Pachuca goes deeper than that. Like, is this the actual answer that they need? Um, I think they could have done, you know, different um, transitions, you know, and they, they pick, you know, this, and it's not bad, but I don't think it's going to be the answer to their problems, like you said. I think it would be a great addition, but I think we still have to yet to see how he'll develop and adapt to Liga Mekina, especially in Pachuca, because Pachuca has been struggling, and it's been pretty hard to watch that, you know? They have, they have. Um, I, they played quite well against Pumas, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's been going on for a while at Pachuca, uh, their struggles in... And losing Honda was a surprise and um, a real Very... disappointment because he yeah. was fantastic last season. Yeah, it really was. But you know what? Let's hope to see a good change in Pachuca or at least, you know, um, them playing better and slowly go up on the table. Yeah, I, I want to I just, you look at the side and um, it just appears to be a bit of a lack of balance every time you look at the squad. There's always mm-hmm. someone playing out of position. Um, I'm still not convinced about Eric Aguirre as a winger and um, mm-hmm. and clearly ni- neither is Ayesteran because he dropped him on the weekend he dropped Guzman as well uh, who who, well if he doesn't score he's, he's not much 
use, to be honest. So <laughs> it's true. I mean, he's, he's a great goal scorer, but he, he doesn't provide that much else as an attacking midfielder. Um, yeah. And we're yet to see... We yet to see another Chucky, another uh, Gutierrez, another Pizarro come come through their come youth system. Through. Definitely, but let's hope Pachuca uh, bounces back later on this season. Yeah, because okay. they they've been so fun to watch for so long, and and the last season or so has been disappointing. And I don't think it'd be the kind of team that you know at the start first four games would be what they're last. I think I think they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah they I are. They're last. Yeah, like you wouldn't expect to see a Pachuca start of the season be last. So I think that's kind of surprising. And I do think they can bounce back, but I think they will struggle. I, I think we both agree with that. Yeah, it could be another season without Ligia for them. Oh, that would be sad. <laughs> okay, let's move on to the next question. Um, Twitter fan at MexicanSoccer9 ask, in your opinion, is there a formation like 5-3-2 that would be most efficient in Liga Mekis? If so, what team or teams could easily implement it? Then there's a second part. You've said most teams in Liga Mekis lack tactics and many use the same or similar formations. So I want to know if there's one um, if there's one could contradict this. That's um, a long question. <laughs> that is a long question. It's a very good question. Very good question. I don't think there's particularly one, you could say there's one formation. Um, formations have to be said that it's always a starting point. It's it's not the be-all and end-all of tactics. It's a starting point and you go from there. And the other thing is, uh, obviously, there is no one better formation in football. Um, every formation has its strengths and its weaknesses. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's no... Yeah, like I said, there's there's no one formation that, that is the best. So I wouldn't mm-hmm. say there's one particular that I think could kind of break the system, so to speak. Um, I would like to see more variety. I would I would certainly love to see, I'd be interested to see a team play the 5-3-2 that you mentioned or, or any sort of system that includes three centre-backs because we've got no teams doing out this season. And I think that's a shame. Uh, and I think it could be very effective when a lot of teams are playing 4-4-2 right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you get the three centre backs against the two strikers, which which helps out. Uh, I'd like to see teams play a kind of Man City style, Napoli style four three three, which which um, Atlas kind of experimented with, but went back to a four two three one last weekend when they brought in Alvarez. Yes, Alvarez. Mm-hmm. But most of all, I, I think it comes down to how structured the teams are. And mm-hmm. like, like I've been saying, those players that could play those roles to make it a five-three-two. Yeah, well, just just in terms of any formation, what what I see from most Liga Mekis teams right now is pretty decent structure when they're out of the possession and they get two lines of four back, um, stay pretty well organized and make it tough for the opponents to break them down, and then. When teams are going forward, there is so little structure. It's it's kind of like with most teams. Uh, the ex- big exception being Morelia. Also, I think Tigres and America are a bit of an exception too. But but most teams are kind of it's a case of the attacking players do what they want, go where they want, um, and the end result when you let everyone have positional freedom is that everyone wants to come to the middle because that's where you're going to get on the ball. That's where you're closer to the goal. 
Uh, everyone wants to get in the middle, but if everyone's in the middle, then it's really easy for the defense to compact the game and make it really hard for the other team to create space. So, yeah, I think Morelia have proved this by overachieving consistently for a long time, uh, by keeping players in more strict roles, by specifically keeping the wingers wide and, and stretching the game and making there an option to switch the play. Uh, like for for people who watch Wolves, for who watch Raul Jimenez's debut, Wolves kept doing this. They kept playing uh, long balls out to the wingers who were right on the touchline to try and to try and switch the play and make it difficult for the Everton defence. And I said at the time this wouldn't be possible in Liga Mekis. So that's what I'd like to see more of. And there is some there's some proof that I'm still working on, um, mm-hmm. but there's some statistical proof that kind of is showing that. In Liga Mekis right now, it's less effective to be a possession-based side than it is in the big five leagues in Europe. And I think the reason behind mm-hmm. this, uh, in, in terms of creating chances, they are less efficient. Uh, again, there could be something more detailed about this in the future, but I think the reason behind it is to do with structure because you see the teams that are really good at breaking down uh, organized defenses are teams like Man City uh, yeah. or classically Barcelona and of course Napoli last season I mentioned them with the, the coaches like Pep Guardiola and, and Maurizio Sarri who have a really strong positional um, structure within their team they are pretty rigid with positioning players have a certain role to do and they're expected to fulfill that role and there's very little freedom for them to go off and do what they want to themselves uh, so you lose certain things with that, but it's an, it's something that I would, I really think needs to come uh, more into Liga Mekis if the league is going to advance tactically, um, and mm-hmm. just uh, overall quality wise. Long question, long answer. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. You explained it very well. I think you really went detail into you know the whole the whole essence of the question. So I guess now my question would be. You know, if you said no, not really many teams adapt to that, um, like you've said, and you've you know written uh, read an article. So, I guess in another world, what team would you want? To, like, if you look at all the teams right now with all the players, and have you seen them play? What team would you really want? You know, on based on the players, on the structure, on kind of like their play of style, would you want to adapt to this? To to play more more of a strict. Yes. Positioning wise. Yes. If you could choose one, like which one would you really want? I guess if that's I could, my question. If I could pick one team, I'd like to see Atlas. It's a team I've been interested in for a while, from last, mm-hmm. p- particularly last season, because I, I'm massive fan of, of Clifford Abwagi and like fascinating player to join the league. I was amazed when he joined the league. African former uh, under twenty World Cup yeah. bronze player of, of the tournament I thought it was amazing and then obviously Ravel Morrison joining as well ex-English prodigy so I was really interested in them last season and I thought they had a perfect opportunity there to play that Man City style 4-3-3 where you've got a holding midfielder and then you've got two uh some that you could call them interiors like they're mm-hmm. one sort of on the left one's on the right they're kind of halfway between an, a central midfielder and an attacking midfielder um, like David Silva and Kevin De Bruyne play for Man City and, and it has been so, so effective for them. 
And I think Definitely. it's a shame they didn't do that with Ravel and Clifford. I think they could do that with Ricky Alvarez and Clifford now. Unfortunately, on the weekend against Lobos, we saw them go for a, just a traditional 4-2-3-1 with Clifford a bit deeper and Alvarez as the attacking midfielder. And I think you lose something of, of Clifford's game when you're not letting him push a bit further forward. So I would love to see that. And to make that work, you need two wingers that are going to hold the touchline. Um, and by doing that, it creates that space inside because you're drawing out those fullbacks, you're drawing out the opposition's midfield. So you're creating that little bit of space in between. Um, they, they call it the half space. Coaches, tech, um, analysts, they call it the half space, like in between the centre of the pitch and the mm-hmm. wide areas. And so I think Atlas have the potential with, with Alvarez and, and Clifford to um, have a lot of success in those areas by you know using the other players to give them the space and then letting them do what they what they're great at which is you know dribbling past players creating chances etc so atlas would be the, the the first team that that comes to mind in terms of who i'd like to shall we say yeah. take over and do it my way <laughs> let's move on to the next question um twitter fan at reed munir asks any reason why Mexico has trouble producing strikers so much? It's a really good question. I think I, um, we were talking about this earlier, actually. <laughs> yeah, this was really weird when, when the question came in because we were literally talking about the exact, this exact thing earlier today. Uh, I'm going to give this, try and give the exact same answer I gave you earlier. <laughs> it's... Partly, I think it's it's cyclical. These things are cyclical. You know, you can't uh, you can't constantly produce top players, and especially you can't consistently produce top players in every single position in the pitch. It's just uh, impossible. Even even Barcelona are having a tough time producing good midfielders now. You know, after so many years of of them producing the Xavi, Iniesta, Busquets, etc. So. Part of it, I think, is cyclical. Um, mm-hmm. And you could argue that there's a lot of potential coming through. Uh, Godinez and Macias at, at Chivas. Obviously, uh, Malek at Santos. You've got um, Aguirre at Santos, who played yeah. in the uh, Toulon tournament. He was the top scorer at the Toulon tournament. Yeah. Uh, and he was on loan last season in the Ascenso. Um, you've got De La Rosa, uh, Pachuco, who's, who's had some game time. So there's a fair few names that have the potential. Oh, of course, Alexi Vega uh, at Toluca. Oh, yeah, how can we forget? <laughs> exactly, the guy who's actually got a fair amount of minutes. So there's potential. The other thing I'd say on a striker, and this is just something to add um, to what I was saying to you earlier that I thought of, um, striker is a, a very specialist position, I think. It's yeah. obviously not as specialist as goalkeeper, but it is different to the rest of the pitch and the big reason why is because it's the only position where you spend most of your game um, facing the wrong way (laughs) think about it when your team has the ball in most positions pretty much every position on the pitch you're all facing either you're kind of side on or you're facing the other team's goal Whereas if you're a striker, the play is always behind you. So you've constantly got that back to goal. And it's kind of, a, I think it's a, it's a specialist skill being able to play with your back to goal. 
and then having yeah. the ability you know to know where to be um to have the awareness of, of where are defenders around you where are players around you you've always got defenders around you you're rarely going to get the ball i mean strikers some teams strikers get the ball less than their keepers do so yeah. it's a pretty specialist skill i'd say and um and therefore it, it can be quite difficult to train uh, perhaps teams need to start as well as having specialist goalkeeper training have specialist striker coaches yeah, you know, that's a good point. I think um, you pointed out something that I think we see, but we just don't tend to think about it. And it's true. I think it, it's a very special position where timing, you know, the timing, the way you move, the, the way that you read a play and you have to be in the right, you know, position, making that run already. So, you know, mm. I do think it takes a lot. I think, you know, thinking long term, this does affect us, you know, and what Mexico is going to bring out, you know, the next four years. And if we look at Liga Megis right now, I think all the strikers that are pretty consistent are foreign strikers. So I think that's where, you know, we question what's Mexico doing? You know, what are they actually inputting for young Mexican strikers to develop or, you know, what's going on? Because, you know, I think we had this conversation where, you know, yeah, we had some in there in Europe already, but I think we've always have, we always have to have that next, you know, the next youth um, Mexican youngster, you know, striker always, you know, every be consistent every single season, you know, making his way up and, you know, export. And I think uh, we are lacking, but I do believe, like you've mentioned, we do have some potential. Um, but you know what? The, a coaching striker would not be a bad idea. Well, hopefully, once he's done playing, Chicharito will become one because you talk about timing, um, positioning, being in the right, getting into the right place at the right time. Obviously, he is the master of that. I mean, he Definitely. averages like less than 20 touches a game. And how many times in a game is he crucial? So, yeah, yeah. if, if one person can teach it, he's, he's the one. It'd be him. Yeah. So hopefully his Definitely. knowledge can be passed down the, the generations. So we should give him that idea. I, I, you know what? You really opened my eyes right now. I'm like, that would be a good idea. Like, how come no one really has thought about that? Because it is. It's a crucial part of, um, you know, that's your goal score. Obviously, the wings have much to do with it, too. But like we said, I think the strikers, you know, has the most difficult and important um, role on the field. So yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's a good answer, Tom. I like that answer <laughs> so far. <laughs> OK, let's move on. Are you ready to move on? Yeah. Okay, let's move on to our next question. Twitter fan at A. Hernandez asks, if you could manage one team from Liga Mekis, who would it be and why? Uh, can I bring back Chiapas and manage them? <laughs> um, no, you can't bring back Chiapas. If you could, though, what would you do differently? Oh, nothing. I'd, I'd, in fact, I'd immediately resign and, and hire Sergio Bueno to take over. <laughs> <laughs> You're terrible. You're terrible. Okay, now, present, Liga Mekis team. If, if think, one of the, you know, you wanted to pick what, whatever Liga Mekis team you wanted now, I who think, would it be? I think I said Atlas. Um, I've gone through what my plan is, what, what I want to do with them. Um, so, yeah, I, obviously, there's, there's quite a lot of great young players as well who are there. I'm... I like Ortega. I think um, Ulises Cardona is looking, looking very good as well. A uh, good young winger, 19-year-old. So, yeah, it would be Atlas. And I would play exactly as I've already described. Another question. Okay. 
not bad. Um, let's move on to another question. Twitter fan at Snobworthy. I really like this Twitter handle. Um, asks, can Puma stay atop of the league and compete in La Liga? I don't think they'll stay top of the league. I think mm-hmm. they may get found out defensively as the season goes on. You know, they've been playing a pretty um, pretty attack-minded approach so far this season. They're actually playing almost a similar thing to what Chivas did uh, on, on Sunday, which didn't work very well, which is it's a 4-4-2, but because they're playing Malcora as a central midfielder who is really an attacking midfielder or a winger, it is very attack-minded, the, the approach. Although Malcora adds a lot more energy than um, Sandoval does, particularly without the ball. So they're not having as many problems defensively. But I think they they may get found out a little bit defensively. But, you know, they I think they recruited well in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, Gonzalez and Mora is a, a partnership with a lot of potential. Gonzalez is a good, good target man, a good fall for Mora, who is... An excellent goal poacher. He's he's kind of a mini Hernandez, really. He he barely gets the ball a game, but he'll he'll often find himself on the score sheet. I don't think they'll stay top. I don't think they have the the quality of obviously um, the likes of America and Cruz Azul and uh, the Monterrey teams. But uh, so far, so good. You'd expect them after this start to go on and make Ligia, and and once you get into Ligia, you've always got a chance. If you can, if you've got goals in your team, you've got a chance. And their defense has improved a lot. I mean, the signing of Arribas from Spain uh, has definitely been a big improvement. Plus, in goal, Saldivar is is getting better. He he started off pretty poorly, I thought, uh, but I think he's he's making a much bigger impression on me recently, and he's definitely developed as a keeper. So. I think there's there's some potential there. They've been a surprise package so far, but you know, um, a, a good surprise package. Hopefully, they can carry on and keep keep finding the back of the net. Ten goals so far this season, so they've been pretty good to watch. So, would you say that would they make La Liga? Yeah, I think decently, so. <laughs> decently. Sorry, decently, rather than last season where they barely made it and made a fool out of themselves. Liga playoff game versus America. So, do you think they will make La Liga? Yeah, I I I could see them falling off. Um I could see them, but No, they they've got that home advantage as well. Um yeah, I think I think they'll make it fairly comfortably. Mid- middle of the top 8, I reckon. What do you think? I don't know. I mean, you I think you they'll said, fall off. You know, I I think they'll fall off. I mean, right now, you know, Liam Yankees, anything can happen. So, yeah, I, you know, they've been pretty, <laughs> they've been pretty consistent right now. Um, I do think they have a better team. Um, I, I mean, if they make it, Tom, I think it's going to be like seventh or eighth. Honestly, I do think they might fall off for a bit and then pick up again. Um, it's early to say, but if they make it, I think they'll barely make it. Well, That's no. just my. Knowing your track record of predictions, that will probably be right. <laughs> that will oh, almost God. definitely be right. This will be recorded, so we'll reflect back on that if that happens. Um, okay, let's move on to the next question. Um, Twitter fan at Mart1018 asks, 
does Roberto Alvarado have the qualities to be a striker for El Tri? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, no. well, it comes back to what we were saying earlier, partly, about mm-hmm. uh, how it's a specialist skill set, playing back to goal, uh, not getting the ball very much. I think I think it's a waste of him, to be honest. I think he's he's the sort of guy you want to give the ball to as much as possible. Yeah. He's fan- yeah. You get him out in a 1v1 against a fullback, he's fantastic. He can, he's, he's two-footed. He can beat you with pace. He can beat you with skill. Uh, he delivers an excellent cross. He, um, he loves he loves these floated balls. I was watching um, quite a few clips of him before I, was, I, I wrote an article I did recently, and and I just it stood out to me how many times he plays these these pinpoint accurate floated crosses into the box, which are just perfect, waiting for an, a big striker to attack them and, and head them into the back of the net. So you want him you want him outside the box for me playing it into the box for a striker rather than being the striker on the end of them. I think he's been very fun to watch. Um, I think he's been one of my favorites to watch in Cruz Azul because, like you said, he's just always on point and if he subs in. I mean, you can tell the difference that he makes on, on the outside. And, you know, I think we don't want to waste him, you know, being in a position where, you know, clearly if we can find another role for him where he's been producing. He's so young. He's, what, 19? 19. But he's already yeah. about to head into his sixth season of professional football. That's crazy. I guess that just shows you the, you know, consistent quality. And, you know, we can have a lot of um, more of, of him, you know, expect more from him. And he's been pretty fun to watch. So I think I agree with you on this one. How, quest- of them. question for you. How could Pachuca sell him after six months? How? Yeah. What's going on there? I don't know. I, mean, I really don't. What did, what did the, you know, what happened? What went wrong? What did they not see in this guy? What went wrong? I think that that's a good question. What went, what went like, do they, I, I don't know if they did, just didn't see it or, I don't know, because I feel like we all, you know, saw it. So, it, you know. It didn't take long for him to, at Nakaxa to, to become one of their best players. Yeah, to definitely adapt. Yeah, definitely adapt. And now with Rasul, we see him doing all these big things. So you go back to like, you know, why did they let this kid go? You know, like, is it because? I don't know. That's a good question. Like, I don't know. I I, I would love kinda... to hear an answer from someone at Pachuca. I really would. It makes no sense to me. Especially, this is Pachuca, right? This is the team that invests in young players that have done so well recently. Um, Like, you'd expect them to develop and stay in Pachuca and be that most important player in Pachuca, you know, and then potentially be exported. And then you just, you know, sell him off through Liga Mekis and he's bouncing around, but you see the potential and the quality that this kid has, and you question, like you said, it's Pachuca, the youth, you know, like, I just don't get it. He should have been the Chucky replacement, and instead they've they're trying Aguirre as a left winger, and yeah. they kept Francisco Figueroa, who's nineteen, as well, same age as Alvarado. And I mean, I, I watched him play uh, on the weekend, but it's light and day between the two of them. Alvarado is far better player Much. right now. Oh yeah, so much better. It's, it's bizarre. I mean, it's. We praise them for a lot of things they've done in recent seasons, but that is a massive, massive error on their part. You know, they probably really regret it. They're oh, looking sure. at these <laughs> they games and 
they're just like, what did we do? <laughs> like, who did this? <laughs> Call a man who did this and give me an answer because I have no idea. Oh boy. Okay, let's move on. Two more questions. Two more. Um, two more. Yeah. Um, it's been been a really good question. So yeah. I've been really entertained so far. Um, okay. Next question, Twitter fan at Mr. Buena underscore. Okay, this is a good one. Let's talk Chivas. <laughs> what do you think uh, are key stuff they've got to do in order to get a result against Veracruz this coming week? Uh, sack Cardoso. <laughs> <laughs> the easiest, easiest option out, right? Yeah, I think they could do with playing a midfield this time I mean that first half was was madness they obviously created tons of chances with their approach which was basically like playing five defenders and five attackers and no midfielders at times it it was madness but it was so high risk um, you saw Santos looking so dangerous on the counter and obviously they ended up winning the game on the counter Every time Chivas had a corner, it looked like Santos were going to score on the counter. It's just madness. And it was just like, how can a top coach go into a game with this approach? Well, obviously, I mean, he's not a top coach. But how can a coach at a top club, you know, a big, big club like Chivas, how can he go in with this approach? I mean, like, this is, this is basic stuff. It really, it really was that basic. Like Santos are a team that are really good at sitting back, defending, and playing balls, playing direct balls forward, and breaking you down. And <laughs> you turn up to, into a game with no midfield. I mean, oh my god, it was, it was so dumb. It was so dumb. I mean, and then they had then, out, right? Yeah, he was out, but but they still had. Um, the option of, of playing Beltran who came on the second half when Cardoso realised his error and he was very very good I was very impressed with him thought he did very well unfortunately he came on for their best player which again I mean anyone watching that game could see that um, Choffey said A created the first goal um, yeah. B had the beating of uh, Arteaga pretty much every time he got the ball 1v1 against him he was he looked phenomenal he looked head and shoulders above everyone else on the pitch and he gets subbed at half time i mean honestly i just i don't I understand was, i think it was the last straw for a lot of people twitter blew up was like really you're taking out trophies like why yeah um the reason why is because i well this is my hypothesis he he <laughs> He is obsessed with playing two strikers, so he wasn't going to take off one of his two strikers. He loves Brithrela because he was fantastic for him at Toluca, so he's not going to drop him. And Sandoval almost scored a golasso last week, so you keep him on. Um, and I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if Trophies doesn't start in the next game. I'd be very upset. Yeah. Because uh, Trophies uh, is kind of like the backbone of Chivas, and he's the one that's been producing a lot. and you know, game by game, so I don't know. To me, it was kind of like, kind of also like we, we know you would pull something like this, but I guess I understand your, you know, what you think. I just 
to me is just unacceptable. <laughs> no, it's it still is. It still is unacceptable because he was. I mean, he's clearly their best player. <laughs> the best player, yeah. yeah. And you take him out, and uh, it's a headache for Chivas fans. Honestly. Yeah, I would like. I'd be very interested to see them play a. And I'm actually advocating for a, for a very common formation in Liga Mekis to happen now. But I'd like to see them play a 4-2-3-1. Uh, I think Sandoval is really interesting as an attacking midfielder because when he plays on the wing, he just puts crosses in and he's not very good at crossing. His crossing accuracy yeah, is pretty poorly. poor. Uh, when he's in the midfield, yeah. he's he's when he, they've got the ball, he's pretty energetic. I like... I like how he drift out to the left and link up nicely. He played a couple of good through balls. He's a good little dribbler. He can hit a shot from distance. Uh, I think he's he's got a lot of potential there. Uh, Brizuela, I think, played pretty well as a left winger. I like him there. Choffy's, of I course, on the right. And mm-hmm. then you've you've got an option of, of who to play out front. I mean, I, I'm not sure if Polito's available again. I would love to see Godinez get another chance, but it would probably be Zaldiva, which is fine. He's had a decent start to the season. Go with that. Bring back Pineda to play alongside Perez in the midfield. That that team should be good enough to beat Veracruz. They should because Veracruz is sitting at 13. Chivas at 17. Three points of a difference, a win. So it could definitely boost Chivas up. But it's can they beat Veracruz? And this is the question. If they don't, I mean, Chivas is already on a slight crisis. If not beating Veracruz, like, does Chivas have to make the change right after that game? I think that's, like, really, like, a question, like, it does it take to lose against Veracruz if they lose, which I hope Chivas wins because I, I like Chivas, that, you know, if that happens, like, is Chivas going to actually make a change or are they still going to wing it until the end? Well, the uh, the Tapatio is very quickly on the horizon. I mean, after the Veracruz game, there's actually, there's a midweek round of fixtures. So... It's a very quick turnaround. They play they play Nakaxa midweek, and then again just a few days later, it's uh, to the Jalisco for um, oh, the game yeah. against Atlas. So, oh. I mean, it would be very difficult to make a, a change there because you're throwing someone in. You know, when you've got instantly game against Nakaxa in I don't know two days, and then straight after that. You've got the big derby. You got yeah. the classico, yeah. So it would be very difficult. But on on the flip side, they may be thinking, we need to get some sort of a boost. We need to just make a change because we've got the classico coming up. And God, if 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 they if they lose that and they haven't won a game before, then I mean, yeah, disaster. But you know, they could they could very well beat Veracruz. We all know we all know they they have the talent to do so not a particularly easy place to go often um get an interesting atmosphere there and Veracruz will always be dangerous at set pieces and and you know they'll make the game hard for you but Chivas are good enough to win that's what been that's what has been killing Chivas like on set pieces but um I do think they need this win versus Veracruz because they bounce back at home and they haven't been able to win at home since like think October or something like that it's ridiculous so. yeah the home record is very very poor <laughs> yeah so yeah hopefully they beat Veracruz bounce back at home and receive Nicaxa and get another win because they really really need to definitely boost up their game 
There's a there's a Salcedo question as well. Big Salcedo question there. Because he, he's been caught out for two goals now in two weeks and you know, massively influential guy in the in the dressing oh, room. Yeah. But Especially can he still cut it? Yeah. Big question. True. Big tough decision for any coach. Oh yeah, definitely. Okay, let's move on to our last question. Are you ready, Tom, for your last question? I am. I'm kind of sad. <laughs> okay, we're going to talk back to Chivas, and I think um, it's kind of what kind of we've been talking about, about throughout the line. So, at, let me see, Twitter fan at Aldo Campos 39 asks, it, could it be too early to say Chivas is on the borderline of not having a Ligia this season if they don't win on their Week 5 game, which would be versus Veracruz? Yeah. No, I don't think it would be too early. I think, yeah, I think like like we've been saying, it would be pretty disastrous if if they don't get a win, especially if they lose. I don't know what the gap might be to Ligia. Maybe could be five, six, seven points, something like that, um, which isn't massive, but yeah. the the games quickly run out. So. <laughs> There's only there's only 17 games, and so those gaps, they don't look too much. But unless you go on a really good run of form, it can the the gap can pretty much stay the same, or it can yeah. it can go. You know, you win one week, and it's like, oh, now we're now we're only within three points, and then you lose the next, and then it's back to six, and it can be difficult to to bridge that gap if you get off to a really bad start. And I think it really depends on how the other teams are doing because coming down like three games before La Liguilla, those three games, you kind of play play around with the numbers, especially looking to see, okay, we could if we win these three games, you know, you know, you kind of have to do math and all that. So there could be that gap. Um, would it be too early? Maybe. I'm hoping they bounce back. Um, it would be too early to write them off. Yeah, it would be too early to write yeah. them off. Yeah, so I think... If they bounce back like three or four games back to back to back wins, I would, you know, be like, okay, now let's close it, you know? <laughs> um, but I don't know, anything can happen, like, yeah, you know, playing with numbers, sneaking in, and there's those teams that sneak in and, you know, they're the dark horse and they end up, you know, going to semis, even to the final. You can't underestimate any team, especially in playoffs. They can have a terrible season, but come playoffs, it's like a whole another tourney. So, um, I don't think we should count them out yet. Yeah, you've got to so. make it first, though. True, <laughs> but you can borderline make it and still, you know, yeah. play. Although but... it, it's, it's harder than it looks, making Ligia and Liga Mekis. Yeah, you think, it's oh... It's harder than it looks. <laughs> I think it is, because you, you, at first glance you go, oh, well, eight teams make it, and that's easy. But actually, there's only normally two or three, maybe four teams that are pretty comfortably make it in. And everyone else is still kind of scrapping around and need that need that result in the last week to to secure a spot. So I think it's harder than it looks. And there's always one or two teams that you look at and think, you know, your team is you've got a strong team and you've had a decent season, but you haven't made it in. So yeah, when you first think about it, you think, oh, eight teams, that's that's easy. But because of the parity, you know, because. You look at the the table, you look at the league, and you think, well, apart from maybe Lobos, Veracruz, Queretaro, Puebla, maybe Atlas, you'd say anyone else could make it. 
can make it yeah and even and even and, one of those four or five teams every now and then will have a surprise season yeah um but yeah, you, yeah. you're right though i mean it does look harder but I think that's why people criticize because, you know, two or three teams, like you said, comfortably make it and then the rest are still kind of in the air. Even depending on other, you know, if they let's say they lose those last two games that they needed to win, they could still make it if blank blank loses and, you yeah. know, they're still on the verge. So yeah. I guess people question like, oh, that's why, you know, Liga Mekis, but I don't know. Uh, Liga Mekis is always attracting to me, so. It's an interesting it, system. It it's an interesting <laughs> system and it... You know, there's many drawbacks, but it makes it exciting. I just, I, so many people have said this. We, we need to have though that last day, all the teams playing together at the same time. It would make it yes. so much more exciting. Um, yes, they definitely. do. They they did that with relegation, and remember the the Morelia saving themselves at the last second with the oh the Rui Diaz God, yes. goal. I mean, that was <laughs> honestly that that that's my favorite. Although it that. Um, that actually relegated Chiapas, didn't it? But that is my favourite Liga Mekis memory. I mean, that 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 day was; those games were incredible. Uh, for me, for me, you're always going to get more excitement when you've got kind of two or three games at once where the results will affect each other than just a final. Yeah. That for me is always the most exciting thing, which is why, as a kid, I was always all about the relegation battle in the Premier League, um, that final day drama, rather than you know, uh, I was always more interested in that than like the Champions League final, for example. Oh, oh, that hurts my heart. <laughs> not, I mean, not that I don't love the Champions League, you know, and have come to appreciate it more as, as and now that I'm older and obviously it's watching the best football in the world and the best tactics and the best players and etc. But in terms of pure excitement, you know, two games is better than one, right? Definitely, and I think you said that excitement because they both play at the same time. You're just watching and keeping track of, you know, who's scoring, you know, how they are, and I think that's what makes it exciting. So I, I definitely petition for that to come mm. back. And the way that one goal can have so much impact, like so much. A, a team can be going from like we need to hold on because currently we're staying up, and then or say currently we're in Ligia, and then like another team score, and it's like they suddenly have to change their whole mentality from defending and holding on to a draw and then suddenly they're like oh my god we have to go for the win now and then like there has to be that instant switch in mentality and the game completely changes i think that's so interesting to watch because it's rare it's what you Definitely. don't normally see so yeah yeah uh, well, it'll be fun let's, let's hope that comes back because i really enjoy that mm. those are all of our questions tom i think we got you know good answers to kind of most of the spectrum in Liga Mikey's. Um Okay, I've got one for you though. Questions. Oh lord, I'm nervous. <laughs> What's the question? So, Leon got their first win of the season this weekend. Uh, an emphatic 4-0 victory over Queretaro. Now, mm-hmm. when you join me for your uh, for our pre-season um, preview, you spoke at length about the talents of Walter Gonzalez and how he and Baselli would be a fantastic partnership. Uh, Leon's first victory came when Walter was on the bench and you changed to a 4-3-1 with uh, Montes playing behind Baselli, as we've seen last season and, and for many years now. Um, I don't know if there's a question at the end of the sentence. <laughs> I think I've made my point. Are you better off 
sticking with with what you played against Caretero with Montes at the attacking midfield behind Baselli, uh, or do you still believe that Welter's got to get in the team? It's a good question. Um, so the victory versus Querétaro, I think it wasn't too much of not a surprise, not to like for the hype, but they did play Querétaro in Copa Mekki, so they did kind of know kind of how they played, you know, the players that they were going to start out and whatnot. So, yes, um, it was funny because Montes, there was a tweet out sent from um, a couple of um Twitter pages that from Leon that Montes was not going to play. So I was like, okay, things should be interesting. If Montes is on bench, then what's you know what's it going to look like? So Montes did end up playing behind Boselli, and Montes probably was one of the best 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 ones out there. He was really on point. Yeah, on he everything. had a fantastic game. Um, oh yeah, he had a fantastic. So I think you know he definitely reassured why he's on the field. You know, I. I I love Montes, followed him since, you know, from a fiera, so whatever. Um, but, you know, some ga- these past couple games, I'm like, Montes, like, you know, I still need him to give me that extra. And this game, he totally came in. And Boselli, you know, I, you know, Boselli, I love Boselli. So I do think um, Walter was on bench. And I think Boselli just has to be on the field regardless. I think we do have a great sub, um, like Walter Gonzalez. Do I think they, you know, like I had said that they would work as a duo, I don't think so. I think um, from Walter, I've been liking him on the field, but I think someplace he can be very um, selfish. There was a couple of plays during that game where he had the opportunity to pass to Boselli or pass it on the wing, and he took it. And, you know, sometimes it's okay to take it, but I feel like sometimes he was a little bit selfish for Sigretaro. And Boselli, well, Boselli, it was his night for the most part because he was unselfish enough to give the last goal. Uh, he assisted... Um, because if Boselli would have scored, um, Boselli would have scored 100, his 100th goals with Leon in Liga Mekis, which would have been awesome because they played in Leon, so it would have been something definitely for the crowd to enjoy, even though Boselli currently has 122 games, um, sorry, 122 goals um, with Leon in all competitions, including Copa Libertadores and Copa Mekis. But I think it worked out. I think the player that stood out to me the most I have to say is Serato um, I've been really tough on Serato since the beginning because he's had to really try and fill that role that empty role that Liga left and I think you know they've been playing Serato and you know he's been uh, kind of short but this game he really did good and he really I guess showed us all that he can um, fill that spot. Does he have a lot more? Yes, of course. But the golazo, did you see the golazo that he scored? Oh, I did. it was so I beautiful. Did. It was so beautiful. It was probably the best goal I've seen. Um, like, for the night, it was that goal, that lefty shot. Mm. It was amazing. Um, and Yairo Morena, which is probably my favorite so far. So, I do think sticking with this formation can definitely um, keep Leon going. I mean, this 4-0 is a breather for me, literally. It's been kind of like... Okay, I can see something now. Now the interesting question is, Leon did bring a left wing. Um, he he's already in Leon. Um, I I don't I don't know if he'll play this weekend, but he's supposed to be Elias Hernandez's replacement. So I don't know how that's going to work out if we you know have Serato with already his great performance and you know has proven that he can fill Elias Hernandez's role, and now you have. Um, he goes by Takashi, I have to say. It's really, that's his nickname. Um, like, how is 
how is he going to play into that? Is he going to take over Serato or, you know, that's kind of my question up in the air, but um, we'll see. I mean, Leon still has a lot of work to do, um, a lot of work to do, but I do think this 4-0 really helped them out. Um, they were in last place, so um, they've definitely bounced back, and now they're in 11th place, Tom. My Leon is slowly moving up in the table. It's creeping up on, on that 8th place. <laughs> definitely creeping up, but yeah, Mont Montes had a great night. Serato had a great night. Yaido really developed a lot in the midfield. Um, I think every player um, definitely filled their role. Um, it's the, the youngster, Mascorro, actually played in Copa Mekis versus Querétaro. He had a, uh, a assist and a goal that night. He subbed in, and that youngster has potential to be, you know, a great winger on the, on the, on the line, too. So they have good components. It's just sometimes the formations can be frustrating, and defense-wise, very frustrating. This, this time around, they really did good. Um, on the defense, so and Cota looked happy, so that made me happy. You know, we I, I actually felt safe. I love William. I, you know, he's he was there, but with Cota, I'm like not even worried. Like I'm like, okay, we're good with Cota. Like it's kind of like that guard. We I have that guard with Cota, so hopefully things look bright, Tom. <laughs> they're looking bright so far. I don't want to get myself too hyped up, but they're moving along slowly. Yeah, it is only Caretro after all. Yeah, it is. But you know what? We beat them twice. It'll give us credit <laughs> so far. I do. 4 0. And, and over 20 shots from inside the box, I think it was, or like 19 shots from inside the box, which is pretty phenomenal. Just to mention, um, if you've if you've never heard of him, the winger you were men you've, mentioning, you, you said his nickname is, his uh, real name is uh, Jean Meneses. And if you haven't seen, he did one of the worst slash most amusing dives in history oh, yeah. uh, so put his name into youtube and you'll probably find that it's it's well worth a watch i might tweet that he out or something it he was pulled a name or you pulled a name oh i i it's it probably deserves its own name to be honest yeah i saw it I, we we all we all leon fans as soon as we know who 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 this guy was we we uh googled him and we saw videos and we're like oh no <laughs> oh no like is this what we're gonna see like total wrong impression um but you know yeah addition to leon give an opportunity and hopefully he won't pull a takashi let's put it that way it was so bad it even made like the news here in in the uk <laughs> i remember watching it on the on the bbc sport website a few when like, it was oh, sort of a couple of years ago yeah yeah exactly exactly <laughs> There you go. Well, we'll see. We'll see if he pulls any tricks in Liga Mekis then. Definitely. Should be surprising. Yeah. Okay. Well, Tom, do you have anything else you want to add? No, I think we'll wrap it up there. So um, thank you to everyone who sent in the questions. Uh, some some really, really interesting questions that sparked a lot of, of good, good chat between us, I think. Um, hopefully... Everyone's pleased with the answers, and well, thanks a lot for for joining me today, Caddy. It's great to have your help and um, some of your insight as well. Definitely, thank you for having me. Um, thank you guys for all your questions. Um, we definitely had a good time answering them, and hopefully, you enjoyed your answers too. So, thank you. If people don't follow you on Twitter already, where can they find you? 
If you guys don't follow me already, you can follow me on Twitter at Caritorres underscore seven. So you guys can follow me there. And you can find me at TomH underscore 36. And you can follow at The Colourful Kit um, to keep up with all the other podcasts, including the Chivas del Norte one, where I'm sure they go into even more depth than we did tonight (laughs) about uh, their recent struggles and um, the, shall we say, precarious position of Cardoso as uh, head coach. So thanks. Definitely. Thanks again, everyone, for listening, and I'll catch you all next time.